This is Method Not Magic, the college admission and test preparation podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Ryan Blodgett from Marks Education speaking with Anthony Cellino about the AP Calculus tests. Anthony, for many of the tests that we tutor, we ask students to start by taking a baseline before starting serious prep work for the test. How does this apply to the AP Calculus tests? Hey, Ryan. Um, It's a little more difficult to take baseline tests for APs than it is to do so for tests like the ACT or the SAT, because you need someone who understands the scoring rubric to grade up the free response questions. Also, at the time that one might want to take a baseline test in like late February or March, the class may not have yet covered 30% or so of the material. AP scores are only out of five, so the score of a baseline AP test will probably give less of a complete picture of how one might want to prep than it would on an ACT or an SAT. But you can learn quite a bit from a baseline about maybe which topics you need to review more or which you still have to learn. So it's my understanding that the BC calculus curriculum by around that time, February, March, has done more or less the AB curriculum and is about finished with it by then normally. Could someone in a BC calculus class perhaps take an AB calculus baseline test to get a sense just based on the material they've done so far? I I think it'd probably be more useful for the BC student, um, if they were going to take a baseline at all, to take a a BC test. Now, there are questions that the two tests share, um, and so the BC student would be seeing those questions, but also get a sense of how much more they, they have to go. So again, if the aim is to figure out um, how much you still have left to learn and uh, what you're really going to need to focus your study on from what you have already learned, probably best to, to try a baseline for the test that you're going to take, especially because if you're a BC student in a BC calculus class, uh, by that point, the school's already ordered the test for BC and you wouldn't necessarily be shifting, for example, to an AB test. Sure. So when should someone start studying for the AP test in particular, you know, beyond just doing classroom work? Yeah, that can be a little tricky because it kind of depends on the teacher. If the teacher's paced the AP Cal class well, uh, the class might finish up the curriculum in mid-April and even begin some review of older topics before that. On the other hand, and this is especially true in BC Calculus because there's more material and because there are a few small topics that the class could skip altogether without seriously jeopardizing score potential, some classes may be working on new material up until the week of the test and only threaded a little bit of review of all topics throughout the last month. By mid-March, a student should assess where the class is headed and how much study or even learning of new material they'll want to tackle on their own to supplement whatever the teacher is doing. Obviously, having a tutor who understands the breadth of the course and the format of the exam can help a lot as well. All right, so why don't we take a step back and talk about what the exams themselves are actually like. So could you talk a little bit about the format, the timing, the rules, that sort of thing? Sure. So the the formats for A, B, and B, C exams are identical. Uh, and the two exams, as I said, even share questions. Um, there are first two multiple choice sections. One has 30 questions in 60 minutes um, and doesn't allow the use of a calculator. And then the other has 15 questions where you can use a calculator in 45 minutes. Though this section's one where nearly half the questions still don't fully require the calculator to solve. So most of those 45 multiple choice questions, you won't need the calculator for, but you'll have it for this second multiple choice section. 
Then there are two additional sections of free response questions. One where you have your calculator for 30 minutes to answer two questions, but they're long multi-step questions. And then another that gives 60 more minutes to answer four more of these longer multi-step problems. And during that last 60 minute section, you can return to the first two free response questions, but the calculator has to be put away. And while doing the first three sections, you're not permitted to return to any prior section. And even in that last section, you can only return to the prior free response questions, not the multiple choice ones. With scoring, there's equal weighting given to multiple choice and free response, so 54 points each. That totals 108 points. For the multiple choice questions, there's no points given or deducted for wrong answers, so you should answer every question. Free response questions are scored by trained math teachers, and each question can score between zero and nine points, depending on a preset rubric. So scaling varies from administration to administration a little bit, and the BC scales are a little bit more forgiving at the top end. But a good rule of thumb is to expect a raw score out of 108 that is above 65 to receive a 5, and any score in the 50s or low 60s to receive a 4. With regard to content, both exams test the big five areas, limits and continuity, derivatives, applications of derivatives, integration, and applications of integration, as well as a little bit on differential equations. And then the BC exam adds a major unit on series, as well as a few additional smaller topics like parametric and polar functions. So to follow up on the, the scoring topics, um, is it true that showing your work counts to some extent on the free response questions? So obviously it doesn't count at all the multiple choice, but on the free response, the scoring is such that you may get a correct answer uh, to a portion of a question, not show any work for that answer, and miss two out of three points, for example. Uh, it really depends on the question type itself. Because they're multi-step, there's no like singular nine-point sub-question. There are uh, sub-questions that are maybe four points or three points or two points. But if they're four, three, or two points, the work involved are going to garner most of the points and the answer only one of those points. So yes, short answer, showing work, quite important on the free response question. So there's a reason the teachers have been emphasizing that for so long. So in terms of studying for the task, we've talked some about the importance of it, about timing for it. What should students actually be using for studying for the task? What are some of the most useful tools and approaches for getting ready for the AP? Yeah, I, I think that um, in terms of what students use is a lot of the traditional uh, books, um, uh, videos, tutoring, uh, going to the teacher. But I think first it's important for a student to have a plan. Um, that requires understanding the test format inside and out. Though this exam takes as long as an SAT or an ACT, it only has 51 total questions and only six of them are long form. So students have significantly more time per question than most other tests they encounter. This opens the door to a test-taking technique that you don't always have, which is do every problem that you can in two different ways. This is not the same as redoing your work, but actually try to do each problem in two completely different ways. If you arrive at the same answer, then you know you've got it because it's virtually impossible to converge on the same wrong answer doing something two different ways. If your answers don't agree, then you know that one of your methods has an error and you search it out and you try to correct it. Some of the more traditional test-taking strategies will work well as, as secondary methods, like uh, back-solving the answer choices or plugging in numbers for variables. 
But on top of that, calculus lends itself to multiple approaches because there's often algebraic, arithmetic, and graphic ways to think about problems. So the idea of doing a problem two different ways shouldn't be alien to calculus students. Sometimes just drawing a sketch that takes five seconds, a sketch of a graph or a function, is enough to catch an error in your algebraic work. Also, it's important to realize that within a section, uh, you can do the questions in any order you wish. It can be very helpful to run first through the questions in a section that you're most comfortable with and that you know you can do quickly, even two different ways. And then conversely, on the questions you struggle with, it's not likely to do you any good to stare at them for a few minutes and, and, and think that the answer will suddenly come to you before moving on to a question you understand. But if you skip them and return to them at the end of the section or even just at the end of the page, you'll be able to put fresh eyes on them, which frequently allows you to see whatever it was you're missing the first time. On the multiple choice question, students should always take the time after they've gotten their answer to look over the other answer choices. Test writers have a fairly good idea what kinds of mistakes students make. For example, students might be familiar with mistakenly using the power rule for derivatives when taking the derivative of, of an exponential function, or forgetting to change the limits on an integral when doing a u substitution. If you take the time to examine all the choices, even after you've arrived at your answer, you might notice that each of the wrong choices represents a path that's born out of a common error. You might even realize that you fell into one of those errors, and that'll give you a chance to fix it. And then in the free response sections, uh, study from the previous tests how the points are allocated, if detailed rubrics are included. Look for the kinds of things that always lead to point deduction, like leaving off units when they're required, or failing to write the improper integral to infinity using limit notation. Write more when you know more. Your answer should be clear and correct, but elaborating and using full sentences to explain certain steps can't really harm you if you know your stuff. How about doing practice tasks? Where can students find those? So the College, college Board website is a great resource for study aids and tests. They make it pretty easy to access every single free response question from prior exams, and practicing with those is one of the best things that you can do. Multiple choice sections are a little scarcer. The, uh, the 2003, 2008, and 2012 full exams have been published, and the multiple choice questions from those tests are pretty representative of what you'll see on a current test. Otherwise, there's no shortage of books that do a decent job of replicating the multiple choice questions, but the College Board website also has a stash of multiple choice questions that are quite good. And how about review videos? I know some people really like that method for studying for tests. Are there any that you like or any thoughts you have about those for the calculus test? I personally don't use uh, videos that frequently. I am often working one-on-one -on -one with students, so um, I, I'll do a lesson uh, on something, but I, I, I know that uh, Khan Academy has an excellent reputation for their videos. I also know that the AP Classroom had videos last year that I believe will still be available for students to look at. Perhaps you know of some videos um, that I could use oh, sure. to write to them. I also like the Khan Academy videos a lot, and the, the My AP Classroom videos, I think, are great for students that have a particular topic they know they're pretty far behind on and need a lot of work on. Those, those videos tend to be kind of long and comprehensive. And then for just spot work on particular topics, it, it's relatively easy for students to just Google or look up on YouTube and overview of a topic. So if you need a, a reminder about the chain rule or Taylor series or U substitution or whatever, there's tons of resources out there that are really easy to find. And there's almost no wrong answer about what 
source. There, there's tons of people explaining the concepts very well all over the place. So we've talked about the format of the exam, a little bit about how to study for it, some techniques. Um, now, how about let's get into the content just a little bit more. Are there certain parts of the AP Calculus course or parts of the exam that are especially important to get ready for? Any parts that are a lot more important than others? Yeah, there are definitely some some core topics. And then there are some peripheral ones. So uh, because students can get less than 70% of the available points and still score a five on both the AB and BC exams, you can get away with studying less or even not learning certain smaller topics. For both exams, you want to make sure you understand the, the core ideas of derivatives, integrals, and the applications of both. An AB student could probably still do quite well without too much of a review of limits and continuity and even could skip differential equations and slope fields altogether without much of a penalty. Now, ideally you study all of those things, but if you have a limited amount of time or haven't reviewed certain topics and didn't realize it until right before the test, those are ones that could be skipped and still a student could do quite well. With BC, BC students want to focus on those same core topics, derivatives, uh, integration, and their applications, and certainly series as well. Um, that one large unit that's often in the late winter uh, of a BC class, they might get by fine without doing too much with parametric and polar functions, and certainly without doing logistic growth, which often is just one multiple choice problem. So it's been a very uncertain last few years. There have been lots of changes to AP exams. Are there any changes to the 2022 AP Calculus exams that students should be aware of? So the plan as of now is that the 2022 exam will return to its form from 2019 and before. In 2020, because of the COVID pandemic, all APs were drastically changed to a much shortened digital format. Then in 2021, schools had three different windows throughout May and June to administer more traditional AP exams, some in the old paper and pencil format, and some taken digitally. The third window for calculus in 2021 was a digital exam, which had a few major differences that made strategizing the exam complicated. Uh, for example, you could not return to prior questions, which of course is a major strategy I spoke about earlier. 2022 should see a full return to normalcy. Both A, B, and B, C are scheduled for Monday, May 9th at 8 a.m., and they will be paper and pencil exams, which should look very much like the majority of exams we've seen in the last few decades. All right. Well, this should give students and parents a lot to think about, about calculus. Thanks so much for talking to me about this, Anthony, and thanks everyone out there for listening. If you want to know more about AP Calculus or need some help getting ready for the exam or in your AP Calculus class, do please reach out to us at Mark's Education. Mm -hmm.